Sometimes it's just too scary to let someone else make the decisions. Other times the fear of losing someone is so powerful we won't even let ourselves get close to them. These sound rather extreme but are more common in marriages than we might think. Let's take a look at what triggers these fears. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 11, and we are going to be talking about our last two fears of intimacy. These are the fear of control and the fear of abandonment or rejection. We started this in episode number nine, and we're finishing up today. So fear is present in all of our lives to varying degrees, and it comes with many, many faces. Indeed. So how do we actually deal with fear? That's the question that we've been asking all the way through here. And to summarize from our last two episodes, you need to acknowledge it, name it, and talk to your spouse about it. Make sure you move towards it. Don't move away from it. And in doing so, that moving towards it, the acknowledging it, the naming it, you're going to disempower it. Right. Because that fear always has that power as long as we're avoiding it. Yeah. But the avoiding it doesn't take it away or take us away from it. Yeah. So again, you can hear the full intro to the topic in episode number nine. So have a listen to that first if you're just getting started with our podcast. And again, we want to acknowledge the research and wisdom of Dr. Weeks and Dr. Treat in examining these fears of intimacy. So going right on then into fear number five, it's the fear of losing control or being controlled. Right. And right at the start of their section, Doctors Weeks and Treat, they stated, healthy relationships are based on mutual control. Partners share the power and control in the relationship. So that's our baseline and our assumption here, that there's some give and take in the control in the marriage. And what I found interesting, I think we see that same principle and that balance in the Bible verse that precedes the classic text on marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, submitting yourselves to one another. So that's the give and take. It is. So there is a mutual, reciprocative, giving and taking, sharing of power and control. Okay. So what does this fear look like then, Caleb? So a spouse with this fear may actively resist or else passively give in to their other spouse. Their other spouse. (laughs) Their spouse? (laughs) Their spouse. So this is a really complex fear, this one. Um, But we're going to try to unpack it a little bit. There's really two levels of meaning here. One is... If I have this fear, it means that getting too intimate will result in a loss of control of my life. That's my belief. So if I get too close to you, I'm going to lose the control of my life. Okay. Okay. So giving in to you then or else fighting it, you can go either way with this, gives me a diversion from having to have those deeper discussions that involve mutuality. So when I'm talking about something with you and we're sorting out, we're unpacking my inner workings a little bit. That's me being vulnerable, and that's Mm -hmm. really an intimate activity. But if I'm afraid of being controlled, I can't give you anything. So I'm either going to fight to distract or I'm going to stay withdrawn. Just like, yeah, do what you want or else no, it's my way. Right. So in that sense, it's a fear of intimacy because I'm holding back. Okay. So by being controlled or by controlling, I can keep you out of my inner workings. And both of those things are ways of avoiding going to deeper intimacy. Right. We've talked about these on past or this on past podcasts as well about if I focus on your issues, then I don't need to work through mine. It's It's less painful to look at your problems. It's something like that. Yeah. 
Then the second level of meaning, so is, is that deeper meaning, which says that losing control means I might feel engulfed by my spouse. I lose myself and I lose my self-identity if I'm not in control. So often these folks will, will search, and this is kind of paradoxical, if they have this fear of control, they'll search for someone to complete themselves like a strong spouse, but then they actually need to recoil or to pull back from that in order to preserve the little bit of sense of self that they do have. And they don't really know who they are or what they want. Okay. I don't quite understand the two different levels of meaning. Like to me, that's the same thing. How are they different? Well, the first one is just more, you know, at the at the more perfunctory level, getting closer, basic. Okay. Getting Getting closer may result in a loss of control. Okay. Of my life. Yeah. But the deeper one is, and you can understand how this would be a greater fear. I could actually feel engulfed by you. So then it's like, who am I? You know, I'm an appendage of my spouse now. Oh, so it's okay. so completely lost any sense of who I am in this relationship. And that's because of my fear, not because you're overbearing. Yeah. And then okay. if we understand where this is coming from, you can see how this gets created sort of in childhood usually. Mm-hmm. And then there's that search for someone to complete yourself. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you got to pull back from that person so you don't get overwhelmed by them because you usually pick someone strong who can complete you, right? Right. So if you're in that first group of those who fear losing control, you won't let your guard down ever to let others know you. And that's because there's the assumption that the knowledge that comes from being vulnerable with another person will be used against you. But at the same time, you may not actually know how to assert yourself properly either. So it's a real conundrum. Mm-hmm. So where would this come from? It often comes from parents who were over-controlling, who didn't promote competency and maturity when you were being raised. And you may even have been a child who was set up to take tasks on that were beyond your capability. And then your parents kind of stood back and they watched you flops. They pushed you hard, pushed you hard, pushed you hard to do something big. And then when you completely failed that piano recital, they just kind of stood back and watched you go down in flames. They didn't support you or... No. Okay. Or teach you how to recover or, or soothe you through that and say, you know, you can come back next year. Or So that. because they failed me, I have to control my own life. I can't depend on somebody else. Right. So I'm all out there alone by myself. So I need to control all my variables to make sure I'm safe all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how does this affect a marriage then? Well, the marriages that have this, they have a hard time with intimacy because when you have one person who either very actively resists control or is completely passive and gives in all the time, really that it kind of turns into a parent-child relationship. And so we call this regressive. So it's kind of going back. It creates something that, that parallels what happened in your family of origin when your parents were over-controlling. Okay. Does that make pushing. sense? Yeah, I think so. So instead of having like a couple that are on the same level and have that give and take, yeah. you've got someone who feels like they're a child. Yep. And the other one has to almost treat them that way because they're... Yeah. It really shifts the balance of power in the relationship. Okay. So you might get a couple coming into therapy, for example, saying, you know, I feel like I always have to like babysit her or I have to make all the decisions for her. Oh, okay. That type of thing, right? Yeah. So again, you know, when we, we look at this in a, in a relationship, this obviously comes from a really sad place in childhood. Yeah. But this is that point where we're, we're talking about a fear and our encouragement is to own your stuff. And then you have the task of piecing your identity together because you have to begin to understand who you really are. And that's not something that you had the opportunity to do in your childhood. And that task begins now. And that's a that's a challenging journey, but it's also a very fascinating one. So this is the spouse who has this fear. They need to acknowledge that they have it mm-hmm. and name it. Yeah, I have this fear of being controlled. 
or losing control. Mm-hmm. And where did it come from? Why would I have it? Yeah. And then if I give it up, who am I? Right. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So that, that self-identity piece, you know, you're, it's, it goes back to being lost or engulfed in the other. So if I'm lost or engulfed in you, who I am is more defined by who you are. Okay. Or it's more defined by the tasks that my parents pushed me to accomplish. So then I have to go back to ask myself, well, if I hadn't had all that pressure to be something, mm-hmm. who would I be if I'd, I'd been allowed to develop and had my unique characteristics and strengths and talents nurtured? Oh, okay. Right. So it might be that neat journey of finding your strengths and talents and interests. and Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then through that too, like you'll benefit from having a supportive spouse who can respect boundaries. So they're kind of going to point out to you when you're, you're being too giving in, too passive or else too controlling. And will lift you to that equal to equal place rather than buying into the parent child pattern that may have been established. Okay. All good. Sure. (laughs) Fear number six. So that is one of the more complicated ones. Hopefully we're able to distill that for you a little bit. This might be one of the more severe ones, if not I don't think it would be as complicated, but the fear of abandonment or rejection. So the normal part of relationships is that we all take risks. And that risk that we all take is the more that we emotionally invest in our relationship, the more it hurts when the whole thing goes down in flames. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants it to go down in flames. No. And so you get that kind of classic question, particularly being asked amongst people that are dating, is, better, is it better to have loved and lost or never to have loved at all? Mm-hmm. which is really asking about the pain that comes when this trusting close relationship that you built breaks up. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where this fear of abandonment or rejection comes in. Yeah. Because I think if you've been hurt then and you've experienced that, then you're sensitive to getting close too soon or even to getting close at all. Right. Because you just don't want it to happen again. No, it absolutely just hurt not. too badly. If it was like that traumatic... And you can think about folks here too, not just, you know, that have had a couple of bad breakups as they looked for their life partner to marry. But if you've experienced some sort of traumatic abandonment, like death or the divorce or the desertion of a parent, mm-hmm. and you never had the opportunity to work through that, this traumatic abandonment could trigger these fears of abandonment even more severely. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or even in adulthood, we can go through relational experiences or breakups or whatever that really build this fear as part of our mm. psyche. Indeed. So also sometimes in, in adulthood, like you can have those breakups, but even think about somebody who had a father figure in your life and all of a sudden there's this fantastic, not fantastic in the good sense, but this incredibly bad um, rejection by a father figure or someone that you really okay. looked up to or revered. And that same thing then, even as an adult or an older person, a mature person, that can also build this fear into your psyche, this fear of abandonment or fear of rejection. And the belief that comes out of all that is this belief that says the best way to protect myself is to never get close to another person. Then I will never go through that trauma again. And are there people that live like that? Absolutely. They've been hurt so deeply. They never, ever want to hear that fear again. And you'll often hear like when therapists get close to this in therapy, yeah. they ask they ask that question. So in a very soft voice usually, so where was it that you learned or you decided that you would never, ever be hurt that badly again? 
And that's where you go back to these major traumatic events that have shaped this fear and built it into our, our oh, minds okay. and hearts. Wow. Yeah, it is very powerful. So just think though, Verlinda, of what that traumatic abandonment teaches a person. It says, I'm unworthy and undeserving of love. Because they said they love me and they hurt me. It was me. close. It was warm, right? Yeah. So all that positivity, that emotional bond, and then wham, the ax drops. Okay. Or if it looks like rejection, even the, the pain, the added inflection and severity of that. Mm-hmm. Or they might develop the belief that others are unworthy of my love and trust because they will hurt me. Right. So I will never love or trust another person because they will hurt me. That's dangerous. I'm not going there. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, inside every human being, there is this very powerful drive to find worth and to find love. So I want to be in a relationship and I may even invest more into the relationship than my spouse if I have this fear, but I'm constantly insecure about it. So how do you go about changing this? Like, how do you heal this hurt? Well, this one takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that is slowly being willing and doing the learning of learning the skill of who to trust and how to trust. So we need to start to undermine the voice that says all people are bad. All people are untrustworthy. All people will eventually hurt me. And we mm-hmm. undermine that by slowly, safely, carefully extending little bits of trust and, and evaluating the people against which we're doing that, that they're worthy and of it in the sense that they can be relied upon. Mm-hmm. And then observing back into myself and undermining my beliefs. Okay, this person is somewhat trustworthy, more trustworthy. Very trustworthy. Okay. So taking time through that to reflect on the source of the fear and that event that happened or events and going through a healing process through that, right? So this is really good work to do with a therapist, especially one that's well-versed in attachment theory. And then what we want to do is start placing the unhealthy or replacing the unhealthy responses or thoughts with healthy functional thoughts. And, you know, the verse that came to mind, the Bible verse as I was thinking of this was, as a man thinks, so is he. So really training the mind to think in a certain way, Mm -hmm. to instill that value in our hearts so that instead of being a fearful person, I become a trusting person. And yes, there is always that risk of being let down and always that possibility. But it's really the decision. Do I want, would I rather live as a trusting person with some letdowns in my life? Or Mm -hmm. would I rather live completely alone because of my fear? And never trust anybody. Okay. So there's this retraining of the brain where we're creating these recreating neural pathways that are ground in a healthy view of of reality. Mm-hmm. You know what? I went through this a little bit when you um, were going to school to be a counselor. Like we'd shared everything before that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got your own email address and you couldn't tell me about the clients you had and all this type of thing. And it was the same I mean, it wasn't the same thing in that I hadn't had that trauma, but it was a decision that I had to make that, you know what, I'm going to trust him anyways, Mm -hmm. even though it's scary. I just kind of had to almost take that step of faith that says, okay, I'm going to trust him anyways. Yeah. Did you have to revisit that sometimes? Absolutely. Like when you get a phone call and all I know is that it's a female on the other end of the phone and I can't know anything about it. Right. That was hard. It's like, no, I'm just going to trust him. Right. Yeah. And where did that trusting leave you? Uh, a lot more peaceful okay. than I wasn't constantly going through to my head. Like, who's he talking to? What is he doing? Is he doing right. this behind my back? 
It's like, no, I'm just going to trust and I'm going to invest everything in our relationship. And thankfully it's worked. (laughs) Yeah. No, that is, you know, in every sense of our relationships, we're always evaluating no matter what we was experienced in childhood, whether it was healthy or unhealthy, Mm -hmm. whether we had these experiences or different, you know, at some level, we're always evaluating and reevaluating the trustworthiness of people that we're close to. Right. And in that sense, these things are common to us all. Yeah. But again, you know, the underlying thread here is to, to name our fears, to acknowledge them. And I remember you and I having discussions about, you know, that new email address and the confidentiality that I had to carry for my clientele and that type of thing. Yeah. But it's to name those fears and acknowledge them and then move towards them. Yeah. Rather than kind of build a wall up. Right. And say, if he's going to have secrets, I'm going to have mine or... You could do something like that or, or just live with the anxiety and never talk about it. Yeah. So that's all for this series of fears of intimacy. What do you think? We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment on our website for this show at www.onlyyouforever.com slash 11. That's one one. You can leave us comments there. You can always send us an email or use our contact form. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know if this was helpful or just interesting, or maybe you didn't find it useful at all. We'd love to know your thoughts. it was boring. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, let's head over to our question segment now. And now for our Q&A section. Remember, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can email it to questions at onlyyouforever.com or please leave us a voicemail at onlyyouforever.com slash questions. So we have a question here, Verlinda, from Anonymous. Mm-hmm. How do you broach intimate subjects with your spouse, such as sex, pornography, suspicion of cheating, do you really love me anymore? I think that's a question that a lot of people can relate to Yeah, thank- on many levels. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that question, Anonymous. I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here as we're answering this question. So one is that something has caused you to feel suspicion or at least uncertainty. And that can come in so many ways. Like I read a book and it was like a Christian fiction book uh, a couple of weeks ago and it triggered all this. Because it talked about a man who had gone off and cheated on his wife and and it happened years and years ago, but it still triggered all these suspicions. And I just needed that reassurance that no, you hadn't done it. And deep down, I knew you hadn't, yet I felt that by asking, you'd be upset or hurt for me not trusting you. Sorry, that was kind of long-winded, but no. I was just relating to the question. <laughs> these things can get triggered by all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to make a second assumption here for the person asking this, that it's not purely about your own stuff. So, you know, you could see how a person filled with anxieties and doubts could really come up with these questions and there's no trigger point per se, or the trigger point actually lies in a mental health issue. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to say, we're going to assume that that's not a part of it. Yeah. And assume that you're all good, but for some reason you kind of have this question gnawing at you. So it's a pretty loaded question and and it's definitely a tough one, but here's, here's where we're going to start. First of all, what not to do not to do. Right. So So, don't ask by text message. Yeah. Don't ask by text message. We're looking for couples to develop intimacy. And I know this is a tough question and that might seem safer, but don't, you don't want to go that route. You also don't want to ask on the way to church. Right. In case you don't get the answer you want. And you don't want to ask just before the kids come home. Right. Yeah. Or when you're both on the way to your parents' house for supper. Yeah. So just be mindful of the setting, right? Yeah. 
And if you are genuinely concerned about it, I'd say ask this when you have at least a couple hours free and maybe even at the start of a weekend. So be a little bit strategic, be smart about this, because if you don't get the answer you want to hear, you're not going to be wanting to be going to a public event immediately following. Yeah, absolutely. This could be a tough conversation. And I think at this point, you know, it really begs the question, you need to stop and ask yourself, if you get the worst possible answer, what are you going to do with that? And do you want that? Yeah. So, you know, it's fine for us to sit here on our end of the podcast episode and say, why don't you go ask that question? That's good. But you have to deal with the fallout if the answer is not what you wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So we respect that. Now, for actually starting this conversation, start it with referring to yourself. So say something like, I'm feeling really insecure about our marriage or whatever words kind of come Mm -hmm. naturally to you. Does that sound reasonable for Linda? Yeah. Or ask the question, like, I'm wondering if there's something going on that's undermining our relationship. Yeah, just to kind of start this discussion. Then once you get underway, because you have this sense there, trust that sense. And don't be afraid to ask specific and clear but non-blaming questions. So questions like, have you been looking at pornography? Okay. And are there any women you're feeling closer to than me? Or are there any men that you're more interested in? at the moment than myself. And, you know, on that part of your question where you said, do you really love me anymore? As one of the things that you're wondering about broaching with your spouse, perhaps you could try saying, I'm not sure that you really love me anymore. So don't use this as a weapon in your fights and don't, don't use it to manipulate. Yeah. You're asking this question out of a sincere fear. And if your spouse can see that fear and you can show them a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially if he hasn't done any of this stuff, he can, tie into that and respond to that fear and give you something that's really going to assure you. Right. And I mean, if you're able to explain the behaviors that brought you to these fears and suspicions, then, and he can see how it's affected you or she can see how it's affected you, then they'd be more likely to change or be more willing to change. Yeah. So a healthy spouse will step up to that plate and respond with something very reassuring. Yeah. But I think we need to emphasize that again, like this can't be used as a nagging, you know, sniveling wife. You just don't love me anymore out of anger or control or something. Yeah. So be sincere about it. You know, trust your intuition, your feelings and use them honestly. Yeah. And frankly with your spouse. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. If there is more to your question, just send in another one, make it really specific. We are here to help. So even if you have a question that you don't want on the podcast, you can always feel free to reach out. We want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes this week. They're in from John A850, from Steve Borgman, and from Murdoch2003. So thanks so much. We really appreciate it. And that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash 11. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions in to questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the onlyyouforever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.